Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. From Matt Sewers on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In 2000, an LSU engineering professor named Kevin Kelly got an idea to build compact, efficient heat exchangers that would help engines perform better. Today, his company, Mezzo, is one of the leading companies in the world in the area of micro-tube heat exchanger technology. And the company's products are used in dozens of applications and across industries from aerospace to oil and gas to, believe it or not, high-performance auto racing. It's not the kind of technology you think of when you think of Louisiana, which is what makes the story of Mezzo such a great one. Joining us to tell us about the growth of Mezzo and the market for its products is founder and president Kevin Kelly. How are you doing? Nice to have you here with us. Thank you. Now, Mezzo got its start in the LSU Business Incubator more than a decade ago. Another impressive Baton Rouge tech company that also started out in the incubator there is Cap Technologies. The company is providing an invaluable service to big industry and to the environment and has created an environmentally friendly way of cleaning and coating metals using electricity and benign electrolytes instead of harsh acids. Eddie Daigle is the founder of Cap Technologies. Eddie, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. And you two guys know each other. So. Yes. <laughs> Back from the incubator days. Well, Kevin, we'll start with you. Microtube heat exchangers. Yes. For dummies. Give us the thumbnail of what exactly that means and, and what they do. Well, a heat exchanger is, uh, uh, your, your car radiator is a heat exchanger. Mm -hmm. it cools the engine. Uh, your air conditioners have a couple of things in them called condensers or evaporators, and those are heat exchangers. Uh, what makes ours different is we use uh, thousands or tens of thousands of little capillary tubes that are like a syringe. They're about the size of a, of a syringe that's used for a, uh, uh, when you get an injection. Okay. And the, usually the coolant's flowing through the syringes and, you know, anyway, the syringes uh, give really high performance heat transfer so you can get, make your products small. So it's, it's the size of these capillary like exchangers that make them so Effic effect efficient. Exactly, exactly. Um, you're, you know, little things transfer heat better than big things. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the, the theme behind it. And, and y'all are like the inventor of these and the, and the leading developer in the whole world. That's really true. I would say it's true. I mean, it, it, it's a little bit, if you're the only one doing it, you sometimes have to question why. <laughs> but, but right now it seems to be we working in some applications pretty well. Okay, and, and you were telling us that high performance auto racing. We sell to IndyCar, we sell to Formula One. We, we sell to, a, a, most of the elite teams in the world are buying Mezzo products now. Wow. Or many, I shouldn't say most, but many. And, and have they helped you market it? I mean, I guess it's... To be honest with you, that our elite teams do not want us 
we can put a generic ad in a magazine, but they don't ever want to say, oh, Mezzo is in such and such car. Right, because no, they, they want it to be their secret? You have to say stuff like, Mezzo's used in F1. We don't tell people which customers use Interesting. the Interesting. Okay, but, so. but, but Mario Andretti has used you. Mario, uh, there was a, a gentleman who uh, ended up, you know, he now owns a little bit of Mezzo stock, but he worked for Mario, uh, he worked for Andretti Green Racing at the time, and he called us up, and, and he's sort of instrumental in working with us to build the first radiator that was used back in 2008. So all, all the Andretti cars used our radiators in the Indy 500 in 2008 which was kind of scary because they just sort of <laughs> tested them for about an hour, said, we'll use them, and we were kind of worried they weren't going to make it through the race. But uh, anyway. But uh, they did. Oh, they did. They worked good, and, and, and it sort of grew from there. Okay, I want to ask you one more question before I visit with Eddie. Um, how much faster, I mean, when we're talking high-performance auto racing, these cars go super, super fast. How much better does your technology help those engines perform? Well, that's a difficult question. It, what it does is it, they've, they've, they've had tests where they'll take the other radiator out and put ours in and their engine temperature will drop maybe eight or nine degrees uh, or ten degrees Fahrenheit, which is, is a lot. But it all depends on the day and the scenario and if the, if the team knows how to really utilize that properly. Well, Eddie, CAP Technologies is also using technology in industrial applications. Your company has come up with a way to clean and coat metals using electricity and electrolytes. How did you come up with this idea? Actually, uh, from Russia. I was working in Russia, and uh, some Russian scientists came to me with the idea of cleaning metal, um, not to involve the environment. They didn't really care about the environment, but they, it was a better way to clean metal. And so we took it. Worked with it for a number of years at the incubator, and the investors that I had at that time, they gave up. They said that was, they wanted to give up on it, and uh, I didn't. So I continued on with it at the incubator, and what we developed was what we call the second generation. We're about to embark on the third generation now, but the technology basically takes uh, conditions that exist in the wire and steel industry that use acid and other harsh chemicals and they use an awful lot of fresh water. Fresh okay. water is a real commodity now. You have to really be careful about fresh water. Our system is a completely closed system so we don't use a lot of fresh water. Whatever the water is that put in tap water, we put baking soda and electrolyte and into the wow. electrolyte and electricity and we clean steel but we also coat it with any conductive metal so if it's gold or silver or platinum we can coat it uh, so it's basically using the same but, type of technology but just like in a reverse yeah, way to coat but it's it. all done in line which is very unique to the in industry. line what do you mean by that but clean and coat in one step mm -hmm. in conventional processes now they clean it comes out of the system, it sits for a while because it has to go through other processes, then it goes to the coating system. In our process, everything is done in line, and it's completely benign, it, it's a closed loop system, so nothing gets out to the atmosphere other than a little bit of steam, a little bit of water vapor, uh, and the entire process. Any conductive metal, um, we have coated 27 different metals and alloys now 
successfully. Uh, we're working now with Airbus um, and Boeing to create wow. coatings for them. Um, a year ago, we were awarded a grant to develop a new coating for uh, highway project infrastructure, PC grant. Do y'all do it on site? Or on site. You go to the customer. So you're still in the incubator? No. Okay. We have a, we, about three years ago, we acquired a new facility in Denham Springs mm -hmm. and we put in a beta prototype. So we actually are now producing products for people now in Denham Springs. It's okay. the only one in the world. The only place in the world this is being used. The only place in the world where this only technology is being world. used. Only place in the world. That is tremendous. So, yep. And yep. so industry, all sorts of industry would be your clients, we right? Have, yes. Um, and that's what we're developing now is because, like Kevin said, the automotive industry for wire products is the largest user of wire products, the airlines and the automotive industry. So we've been kind of focused on those, <coughs> excuse me, on those industries to bring products to them that they can't get now. Uh, so that's why companies like Airbus and Boeing are interested in the coatings that we can apply. I mean, it seems so, like the potential is just endless. Am I? I hope am so. I naive? <laughs> yeah, you might be being nice. I mean, I would think that, say, the EPA would just love you guys and and the louisiana deq and every other environmental uh, group but do you get have you gotten buy-in from government regulatory agencies government agencies i was in washington dc uh six seven weeks ago and uh it's hard to change something that has been moving in one direction for 70 years that's the truth huh they don't want to change and Even so though the benefits are so obvious. It's very difficult. But industry, is fortunately for us in the last year or so, a lot of big industries from around the world, Nippon Steel in Japan, they visit us at least every, every six weeks. There's a contingent from Japan, uh, Sumitomo from Japan, POSCO from South Korea, um, companies from Russia, from Germany visit us all the time. And so now we're about to, we're trying to put the right formula together. Mm -hmm. How do we break out? Because there's a lot of big companies now coming to us. So we have to be very careful now because the next step is going to be the, the critical step. How do we actually yeah. break out? To that, to that next yes. level, yeah. Well, while we're talking about using technology to improve engine performance, our next guest uses advanced science to improve human performance. His name is Nathan Roy, and his company is Apex Conditioning. Now, Apex has designed bionic resistance shorts. They're compression workout shorts that provide a much higher degree of resistance than regular gym shorts, thus giving you a better workout. And Nathan, anything with the word bionic in the title? I want to know more about it. And, and these shorts are cool. You were showing them to us a minute ago. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks Tell for us where y'all came up with the idea for these. Well, uh, the original idea actually was in 2006. I actually was not part of the company at that point. It was uh, Adrian Cornish. Adrian wanted some way to make athletes faster. He wanted to replicate being underwater all the time, working out, having resistance directly to your to your limbs, your arms, your legs all the time whenever you're working out. And it's a thick material and, it is. and it's got some different bands that you can adjust. Right. It's uh the compression shorts, the whole suit 
we call it uh, the whole short and the bands weigh less than three pounds. So, uh, but you know that's a lot for shorts. But whenever you short. think you can get you know a hundred pounds of resistance on your arms and two hundred pounds on your legs, it's actually very light. It's uh, literally a gym, and the shorts shorts are made out of nylon, uh, and they're laminated with neoprene. Something it's a lot like what you would see in a wetsuit. If you ever been in a wetsuit, sure, sure. Uh, and we had to go with that material because it is thicker and it will be able to uh, so be to your body. Do uh, y'all have metrics on like how many more calories you burn when you're wearing them or, mm -hmm. you know, how much more efficient your workout is? You can right. do a shorter workout because you're working harder in the shorts. We're actually something. working with uh, LSU School of Kinesiology right now and they've been doing studies uh, for about the past year and we do have preliminary results from them and showing different muscle activation. Uh, you know, some some up to 132% more muscle activation uh, in some areas, 96% in other areas uh, in your legs and That's whatnot. That's a lot. It, it is a lot. And, of course, it, it depends on how much resistance you put on. We did those initial tests with 50 pounds of resistance on the arms and the legs. Uh, you know, most people will probably work out with 25 pounds or even 10 pounds of resistance uh, just to get started. And even then, you get exponential more out of your workout sure. uh, with with less time. Now, are y'all manufacturing here? Yeah, we wish we were. <laughs> we wish we were in the United States, and that was what we tried to do first. Yeah. But uh, you know, we found that it was cheaper in uh, China. Not only cheaper, but impossible to do it here. Uh, we had a few manufacturers we talked to, and. They wanted to charge us to make them what we're retailing the suits, the shorts for. Y'all are in very different, you know, types of businesses, but you're all using, you know, technology in your products. Have you found the support you need here in Baton Rouge to develop what you provide, you know, what you sell, what you're developing? Louisiana in general is really undersold. Uh, for example, in my business, the LSU Center for Advanced Micro Devices has helped us tremendously, and I think it's an unknown part of Louisiana. I don't think anybody I, knows about I it. I totally agree. I was going to ask you even to and, what it is. And I bring people from all over the world to visit. Every time they come, I bring them to visit, and when they go in and go through the tour, they come out saying, we had no idea anything like this existed here. No idea. And, you know, so, I mean, it's one of five in the U.S. now, I think. No kidding. And Only five. In the U.S., yeah. Wow. And, and, I mean, you know, the first, for a long time, it was one of three. And when, you know, it's MIT and Stanford were the other two at the <laughs> time, but LSU. And nobody knows nobody about it. Nobody knows about it. No, yeah. you're absolutely right. What do you think, Kevin? The one thing Mezzo benefited from, which was unique, and I, I tend to be a minimalist on government, except on this one thing, the state of Louisiana had these huge awards uh, they would they would we, we, these things called small business innovative research grants which are grants uh, you you apply and you win a contract with the government to uh, in our case build some sort of heat exchanger from a, for an army tank or whatever mm -hmm. um, the state of Louisiana would match that award with 40 percent. Really? Yeah, they did. It's a tremendous, <laughs> and and I think they've recently in the with the the the, the, the cuts. They, the, that's <laughs> you get away it, with it. You know, the the, the new mezzos are going to be hurt by that. The ones that are a few years behind us. We're we're just evolving to the point where we no longer need those SBIRs as a lifeline. 
but they were uh, so I would say you know from our standpoint I mean I've certainly been happy with the people that I've been able to hire in Louisiana but I'm not so sure they're not in South Carolina or two mm -hmm. but that that tax credit program was uh, was really the thing that would that set Louisiana apart for us and it was just I guess dumb luck on our hands you know standpoint that we just happened to be in a state that had such a great program. I, I'd like to echo exactly what Kevin said. Y'all benefited it, from that as well? At we still benefit from it. I mean, it, it's a tremendous program, and the state of Louisiana um, did a great job in, in those programs, in those incentive programs. So, yeah, we benefited greatly from it. We're going to change gears for just a minute. It's time to do what we call our checklist, and it's the part of the show where we take a little break and ask you each a quick question that you probably wouldn't get on a loan application. So, Nathan, I'll start with you. What's your strategy for coping when things go wrong? Um, when things go wrong, uh, typically, it depends on what it is, but... A lot of times when things go wrong for us, it was something that was out of our control. And if it's out of our control, uh, we like to have a, a saying that it must, it was meant to be. I cannot tell you <laughs> how many things that have gone wrong for us as we got, we've been getting started here that two, three, four months down the line we realize, wow, we're glad that went wrong. So we don't look at things necessarily as going wrong. We look at it as, okay, why did this happen? And how can we benefit from these things that went wrong? That's a great. So yeah, we. And then you know things that are out of your control, they're out of your control. There's nothing you can do. You got to move on and put 20 extra hours to fix it or do whatever you can to to make it happen. But you know we don't we don't uh, we don't dwell on those things. We uh, we can't be the victim. We got to move <laughs> forward. It's a great attitude, uh, Kevin. What's the worst decision you ever made? <laughs> well, related to Mezzo, there have been so many, but this is, there's nothing to do with business. Okay. I, about 10 years ago, I'm not from Louisiana, but I thought, you know what, Louisianans are, to the, I'm going to buy myself a fishing boat. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know how to fish, and I thought, if I buy a boat, I'll go out and fish a lot and learn how to fish. And I, I, I never really caught any fish, and my boat was always breaking down. Oh. And you hear all these horror stories <laughs> about boating. And uh, so now I just, I sold my boat after taking a bath and now I when I want to go fishing I get a charter captain to, to take me to the fish. <laughs> That's so. a, a good idea. So it was a when in Rome kind of thing that just didn't work so well. Eddie, here's one for you. Where haven't you been that you would like to go? Well, China and for specific reasons. I've traveled just about the entire world. Mm -hmm. uh, but because I'm in the metals industry and China is absolutely destroying the metal industry in the United States and with cheap products, dumping trash products and cheap products on the U.S. market. Uh, and just like <coughs> Nathan said, he didn't have a choice. He had to go to China. Mm -hmm. So uh, traveling, I've never been to China. I'd like to go to China because I came, I worked six years in Russia as a communist country. It was just before the fall of the Soviet Union and China is in the same boat now, so I just from a political standpoint, I'd like to see how the people are reacting to things in China right I now. think that would be interesting. And, you know, China comes up a lot with the guests on this show, just because precisely the things y'all are talking about, you know, and the, the, they're really ruining the metal industry, you say. Well, That's all you have so to frightening do is, to hear. Yes, they're destroying. I mean, it, it's on the metals industry in the U.S. is really, I would say, at a critical point right now. If you look at U.S. Steel, an icon of the steel industry, mm -hmm. 
they're 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 teetering. Um, they really are, and a lot of the other bigger metals companies have gone out of business because China is just dumping crash products in the U.S. And uh, it's one of the things we brought up when we were in Washington is the fact that products that are supposed to be by American, mm -hmm. our government is allowing these Chinese products to be bought. And uh, it, it's terrible situation it really is Nathan with your manufacturing there do you have a good a good intermediary a broker that you feel like you can trust who's looking out <laughs> for your best interest actually we have done most of it on our own really uh, they, they deal so much with the United States most of them can speak pretty good English mm -hmm. uh, so through Skype through email back and forth through pictures through sending you know express mail samples we've been able to get most of our stuff uh, done. It, it has not been that bad. We've been pretty lucky. We actually have two manufacturers there, or three in China, actually. Have you visited ones. the facility? We have not. Oh, We see. will soon. <laughs> but we have not have not yet, but that is in our plans to, to go visit. But uh, you know, so far, we've been pretty pleased with the, the quality we've been getting. Given that y'all are an industry leader, Kevin, um, do y'all have any experience or dealings over in China? It seems like they would want a big part of this. Uh, <clears throat> our experience with China is <clears throat> minimal. There are, um, we have some parts, we, we've, we bid out a lot of work. We found some good American suppliers that can machine parts uh, close to the Chinese, which is, which is uh, nice. Uh, it's difficult when you know the Chinese guy is being subsidized on the cost of his materials. That's, mm -hmm. that's I mean, it, if, an, if a Chinese guy gets, uh, if he's not getting a benefit on the, on, the, on the price of the material, and he can get you a machined part for one-fifth the price of the American, it, it, it hurts me because there's no reason the Americans can't do a better job of competing. Sure. So some of it's the Americans' fault, too. There's a balance there. We, f we found a couple of places where the Chinese prices are so good we go that way. We found plenty of other cases, though, where we're doing, we do it ourselves. And we found a couple of very good competitive machine shops in America. So it's a mix for us. But I would say 90% of our parts are American. Interesting. And 80% of that's uh, mezzo. That's great. So. That's good to hear. All right, well, guys, we have time for one more question. I want to ask you all the same thing. Tell me, what's on the immediate, um, on the on the immediate horizon for your company? Where where do you want to be in the next year? You got anything big coming out? Any well, new products or services? For Cap Technologies, we're in the process now of negotiating our next step. We have uh, several big companies that are involved, uh, as I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. Nippon Steel, Ever Steel. Uh, that <clears throat> so we want to get to that next level and have somebody because we're a small company we need not just financial resources but we need intellectual resources mm -hmm. we need to have people that have the ability to take this technology from the good old boys in Louisiana <laughs> and take it to the next level so. Excellent. Well, it sounds like you were well on your way. What about you, Nathan? Um, for Apex, we actually have a few exciting things coming up. We're, uh, we're piloting a couple of fitness classes at uh, a couple of local gyms here in Baton Rouge, uh, the Women's Wellness Center okay. uh, off Jefferson. 
They are going to be doing a class there with the, the Bionic Resistance shorts. And also at Fit Body Boot Camp uh, off uh, Segan in Industrial Plex, they're also going to be doing a class there. So we're really working on nurturing those classes and, you know, just putting all our focus and energy towards that. And we're really excited about launching those here in Baton Rouge. And also we have, we are doing a big uh, kind of, I guess, marketing campaign to, okay. uh, to we're going to be doing a Kickstarter, if you know what a Kickstarter right, is, right, to raise right. funds. Uh, we'll be doing that probably within the next uh, month. We'll be starting our Kickstarter campaign there. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, we will. Be some good deals on the shorts. Well, great. Sure. Well, good luck. <laughs> What's on the horizon for Mezzo? Well, we just had our little planning session the other day for one in three years. Uh, we're, we're trying to diversify and we currently have a customer in the defense department and I, I'm, I'm excited about that opportunity and that would probably double our revenues and, and we've been on a very fast tr growth trajectory for the last two years but if we can move uh, and then we have another interesting application and it's more mainstream commercial I would say if we could find a couple of applications that are um, in that doubling to tripling revenue size outside of racing. The racing's growing organically already. So, okay. um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think that we could uh, double in revenues in the next two, three years uh, and, and uh, you know, need another 50% more employees and maybe get a little more lean and make more money. That, that's, so what, you, that's, our, that's our goal. When you talk about diversifying, that would mean like diversifying new, new products, basically, well, or new applications yes. for the general product. Um, yeah, I mean, if you uh, diversifying would be uh, if you made a, a, some heat exchangers for a, a military ground vehicle, mm -hmm. you're now in you're now have a, a, a 30% of your revenue coming from military as opposed to most of it coming from automotive racing. Right. That's what I mean. Or if you come up with some, you come up with a dishwasher heat exchanger. I'm just making something up there, and that was thir you know that that's diversification because sure. the racing industry is. Uh, uh, it's exciting, but it's probably in the fickle category. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, somebody it's, it's comes a, up with a better or faster one. Yeah, it's a one, dangerous. It's dangerous to be too, uh, you know, too reliant on any one industry. Sure. Kevin, you need to come out and visit our plant because we may have an application for you. <laughs> this is great. Good. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> Kevin Kelly, Eddie Daigle, and Nathan Roy, it's been great to visit with y'all today and to hear about your companies. And it's so inspiring to know that all of this exciting business is going on right here in Baton Rouge. So thank y'all for taking time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you for having us. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Kevin Kelly, owner of Mezzo, Eddie Daigle, owner of Cap Technologies, and Nathan Roy, owner of Apex Resistance and Conditioning. You can find out more about Mezzo, Cap Technologies, and Apex by following the links on our website, WR kf.org and itsbatonrouge.la. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, and our business consultants in Baton Rouge are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook 
Facebook page. These photos are taken by Katie Barnett. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's new album, Puzzle, is out now, and you can find out more about that at MitchellForeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's BetonRouge.LA and WRKF.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for It's BetonRouge.LA and WRKF 89.3. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansour's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com